Greetings, peasants. Welcome back to the Knights and Nerds podcast. This is Tim, your Dungeon Master, and I want to say thank you very much for listening to this episode. Before we get started, a couple of thank yous. I want to thank Darren for doing some awesome art of Agarand, which I've posted to Instagram and Facebook. My only regret, actually, after seeing that, is is that I, I wish I made Agarand say something cooler than just, you. But the artwork is awesome. I love it. Of course, that moment he is depicting is from episode 19, entitled Rescue, and if you haven't listened to it, you should, because it's pretty pretty good. also want to say thank you to Ben, who left us a review on iTunes, which I did not see until recently, because it's not on the Canadian iTunes store, and I had to go searching for it, which I did one afternoon when I was slightly bored, so wrote us a very nice review. Thank you, Ben, for doing that. Okay, today we're talking about overland travel, going from A to B. Not necessarily exploration, not going into the unknown, but going from point A to point B. Yes, two feet in a heartbeat, or on horseback, or in a wagon, perhaps. Travel is part of the game, whether we like it or not. And why do we need to talk about it? Well, I feel like there's always a nagging worry with Dungeon Masters that they're not doing travel the right way and that right has air quotes on it. And I think it's because there is this permission in the Dungeon Master's Guide that allows us to skip over it. And Dungeon Masters, I think, are naturally suspicious of parts of the game that we can skip over. We put so much work into basically all other aspects of the game that it feels like we're cheating somehow, doing something wrong by just completely skipping over part of the campaign that could encompass several in-game days. Now, right off the bat, this leads to a whole bunch of questions about how best to run the game, and I think what we're going to find is that there's some good suggestions, but there's no real right answer. And everything that sounds like it's a good idea will have the caveat attached to it of, if your group thinks it's fun, wouldn't it be awesome if there was one set of rules that was universally liked by all players? Alas, the onus is on you, the Dungeon Master, to know what your players enjoy and to pace your game accordingly. So let's talk about travel, getting from point A to point B. Again, not necessarily exploring an unknown area, but traveling, and why it may or may not matter to your group in terms of how you accomplish this. First off, for this episode, when I say journey, I mean a trek between two points, and that your party generally has an idea of where they're going, whether they're going from one city to another or from one region to another, The idea is that they have a pretty good sense of where they're headed, more or less, so there isn't really a question of whether or not they're going to get there. You as a DM are sure they're going to get there, but you're trying to figure out what ought to happen along the way. Now, if you're like countless other dungeon masters out there, maybe you're thinking that a week-long trek between two points is going to slow down your player's momentum, that there isn't much you can put in front of your players while they're on this journey that is more interesting than having them arrive at their destination and continue on the story path that they're on. I think this is a valid concern, especially if you know your party is keen to find out the next twist you have in store for them, or if they're really close to closing out one story thread or getting an answer or facing down a villain that's been hexing them, something like that. They may be keen just to skip over travel if they're on the precipice of something really exciting. Would it be bad to fast travel your party? Well, the answer to this might be yes or no, again, depending on your group. 
If you feel that this is a weak part of your game and you doubt you can make it interesting, then no, fast travel is not a bad idea. Similarly, if your players are amped up just to get to point B so they can continue on whatever their mission happens to be, and you know that the journey is going to be largely irrelevant to the overall campaign, then there's no real reason you can't narrate your way through that part of the game as suggested by the montage approach in the Dungeon Master's Guide. Again, this feels a little bit like cheating, feels like you're doing something wrong because of how much work you as the Dungeon Master are putting into other aspects of your game. But it's fine if that's what your players want. You may ask yourself, does a journey need to be interesting? In the Dungeon Master's Guide, the part that discusses travel, the first paragraph of the montage approach section could be right. Sometimes the destination is more important than the journey. And just because a journey may take a week, does that mean the travel needs to feel long? If there isn't anything important happening, then there's no harm in glossing over it. And you probably also noticed the plethora of random encounter tables in Dungeon Master Guide and Xanathar's Guide to Everything. Should you have random encounters every day? Should you be throwing up six encounters per day at your players just because it says somewhere in the DMG that's how many encounters the average adventuring party can have on a given day? In my opinion, you should not feel compelled to use them. Again, unless your party really enjoys that. If your party is made up of fighters and barbarians and you know your players love combat more than any other part of the game, then why not? Go nuts. Throw a random encounter after random encounter at them. So if you're okay with skipping over journeys in your games, then you don't need any of my advice or anyone's advice. But I'm guessing most people listening to this are more interested in ways to make a trip in your game something interesting, engaging, and at the very least, not tedious. I mean, you're not listening to this to get permission to skip it. You're listening because maybe you think I might have a good idea or two. We'll see. Now, in contrast to the montage approach, the Dungeon Master's Guide also gives us the hour-by-hour -hour approach, which may be a bit too much detail, especially if your player characters are on a week-long trip. It says that you may want to add in a random encounter here and there to make a trip more interesting if you don't have any encounters planned. So the Dungeon Master's Guide is assuming you're going to plan out some specific encounters that are relevant to your players and to your players' characters. I mean, that's kind of reading between the lines on that statement. But if you're not going to do the montage approach, and you're not going to do the hour-by-hour -hour approach, then what? These are just two ends of the spectrum, it seems, and there's a lot of room in the middle to figure out how we can fit something appropriate into our game. So to me, it comes down to the following questions that we need to answer. What opportunities do we have in this particular part of the game that we don't have in other parts of the game? Second, can we make it fun, and by fun I mean engaging in some way, that gives the players interesting choices or dilemmas? So let's talk about the first question. What opportunities does traveling give us that we can't get in other parts of the game? Well, first, it can enhance the atmosphere of your campaign. It can reinforce the themes. It can set the mood. Now, this can still be done through other areas of the game, but traveling between two points could expose your party to a huge amount of your world, whereas they would otherwise be confined to maybe just a city or a village or a town. The biggest opportunity here, I think, is to maintain and solidify the feeling of verisimilitude in your world, the feeling that your players have 
while they're playing, that they are immersed. The world is cohesive and full of interesting people and interesting places and things. If your party is traveling on a major road and they don't come across anything remotely noteworthy, I think that's a bit of a missed opportunity. The open road gives your PCs the chance to cross paths with NPCs of all sorts. Think of including some sorts of character types they haven't come across yet in your campaign. Fill out your world with regular people. Traveling merchants and bards, farmers driving herds of cattle, pilgrims sharing the road to a shrine, mercenaries looking for work, traders looking to hire someone for protection, messengers on horseback, bounty hunters escorting their prisoners. The open road is a wealth of possibilities. You can also use this part of the game to drive your story forward. As noted earlier, planning some encounters is probably a good idea. And what better way to do this than with something relevant either to the plot or relevant in some way to one or more of the player characters. Now, as I said before, making a journey engaging, in my opinion, means having encounters, whether those are combat or non-combat encounters, that give the players a choice and the choice has a consequence or an impact on them. Throwing a whole bunch of random encounters at your players probably doesn't have any consequence. Chances are you're not going to throw a random deadly encounter at your players while they're traveling on a road. I mean, that's not a great spot for your campaign to come to an end. So I've read some various posts about this topic. Uh, Matt Colville did a YouTube video on this, and he said he recommended having a skill challenge for the player characters to navigate, overcome obstacles during their travel, and if they had a certain number of failures... Then there's an encounter, and the difficulty of that encounter might depend on how many failures that they accrued. There's an article on the Sly Flourish website, which recommends three things. Having character-driven travel challenges, which is the DM prompting the player to describe an obstacle that they encountered, and then to provide sort of the narrative explanation of how they overcame that obstacle. Which I think would engage the players, but it doesn't really give us a, a decision to make, right? But interesting idea. Uh, they also recommended having non-random encounters with NPCs that tie in to the player characters' backstories. So having something relevant to, directly to the players happen during the journey. Another channel did... Uh, a video on this, uh, Dale Kingsmill talked about randomized tables where some occurrences give the player characters a choice. Some were just sort of things happening to the players and there was really no choice involved, but also about assigning roles like navigator, scout, forager, cartographer. Uh, I've come across the idea of assigning roles in a number of places and I'm going to talk about them shortly. But the whole concept of travel in D&D operates under one overarching assumption, which is that the world is full of dangers and that by traveling, people are exposing themselves to these dangers. This is exactly how the Knights Templar were founded after the First Crusade. Pilgrims making the journey to the Holy Land were preyed upon by bandits and were often robbed and killed. The Knights Templar were founded initially to protect these pilgrims because the journey was so dangerous. So the assumption is that your world is dangerous and that your player characters might come across some of these hazards while they're traveling. 
Now, if you're wanting to convey this sense of danger to your group, then it's worthwhile to play out the travel instead of narrating it. And speaking of the dangers of travel, uh, I have to recommend a few things. If you want to read about the dangers of a real-life cross-country journey, uh, I would recommend reading The Indifferent Stars Above. It's about the journey of the Donner Party. It's a non-fiction account of a group of settlers whose journey to settle in California turned into a hellish fight for survival. Again, that's called The Indifferent Stars Above. Also provides a great deal of ideas that you could draw from in terms of the everyday unpleasantness of travel of that kind. It includes a really unfortunate turn about the dangers of looking at a map and thinking that the distance between two points being shorter means it's faster, which they learn the hard way. It is not. Also, the movie The Road comes to mind. I guess Lord of the Rings also qualifies. It's all about one big from point A to point B with some character development thrown in there, right? Now, in addition to that first assumption that the world is dangerous, I think there should be, in most cases, a second assumption that we work under as well in order to make a journey more than just a series of dice rolls and random encounters. I read a number of articles about what players and their characters can do during travel, and there were many good ideas, but most of the time I would ask myself the following question. Is there a deadline or some kind of time pressure? Is there any pressure on the player characters to make the journey in a certain amount of time or to make it quickly, or else something bad happens? Or is there anyone who's after the party, like enemies, where if they are delayed too long, there's a negative consequence of the enemies catching up with them. Because if there's no deadline, if there's no external pressure on the party not to be delayed, if they can take as much time as they want on this journey, then most of the aspects of travel that I have read about are completely pointless. And as I outline some of the main aspects of travel, I think you'll tend to agree. So here are some of the main aspects that I read about. First one being getting lost or suffering delays or setbacks. The next was having roles, as I mentioned before, like navigator, cartographer, scout, forager, things like that. Then there were combat encounters and non-combat encounters. So first let's talk about getting lost and say that there, if there is no time pressure and if the player characters aren't actively being sought after by their enemies, then there's really no point in caring about getting lost because there's no consequence. So for this discussion, we're going to assume that there is some kind of external pressure, whether it's a deadline or there are enemies looking for the party, and that if they get lost or if they're delayed enough, that there will be negative consequences. And this means that the choices they make along the way, along this journey, will make a difference. So, can your party get lost, and if so, under what circumstances? Again, to reiterate, this is not exploring some vast wilderness, necessarily. They're not searching blind. They have a general idea of where they're headed. Now, is there a revised ranger in your group? Like there is in mine? If so, then they can't get lost except by magical means. Are they traveling on a well-known road or well-established route? Then they shouldn't be getting lost. Are they on lesser-known roads? Well, maybe they could get lost, but still probably not. 
I would say unless they're striking out into a place that no one is really familiar with, they shouldn't have to worry too much about getting lost. Are there any player characters in the group familiar with that area as part of their backstory? If so, then let one of your players take the lead. I think they would enjoy the fact that some obscure part of their background is actually suddenly relevant and helping the group in some way. But with all of that in mind, your player characters could still potentially get lost due to some other factors, like the weather, heavy fog, or torrential rains, or landslides that wipe out a path that they were following. Now, I'm of the opinion that you won't really have to go out of your way to make rules about how your party can get lost, but you can look at the unearthed arcana entitled Into the Wilds, which has some additional rules on navigation and getting lost. Now let's assume that your party does end up getting lost. Are they going to stay lost forever and become a bunch of feral weirdos? No, probably not. They're probably going to find their way back. They're likely somewhat intelligent that way. So here's my first suggestion on both getting lost and with setbacks or delays. Decide on a number of times that the party can be lost, whether it's just getting off track for a bit, or how many times they can suffer a delay or a setback of some kind. Let's just say six, for the sake of illustration. Each time they get lost, get off track, get delayed, then you just tally those up, and once they hit a certain threshold, then there's a negative consequence. You could even break up this threshold into increments. Some delays are smaller, after all, representing maybe half a delay, half of one tally point. Some represent a full point, so one out of six, or half out of six if it's a smaller delay. Some could be really bad delays and might be one and a half or two out of six, up to you. So once your party hits a threshold, there's a negative consequence, or there's maybe a minor negative consequence once they reach half, and then there is a larger or major negative consequence once they reach the upper threshold. Tracking things this way will give weight to the decisions that the players make while they're on their journey. How many people can they afford to stop and help before their enemies catch up with them, or before the orc warband makes it to the village that they're currently heading towards? Also, tracking the setbacks and getting lost in this way will save you from having to count out how many miles away from their destination your party is. If you look at the consequence of getting lost according to that unearthed arcana I mentioned, it's basically math homework, so no thanks. Let's talk about delays and setbacks. Again, if there's no consequence for whether your group takes two days or ten days to make their journey, then who cares about this stuff? But it helps with the verisimilitude if you work in some complications, some real-world obstacles. I mean, real to your world anyways. Going back to the Dale Kingsmill video, she had a randomized table of events that happened during a traveling day. There were some examples that she gave that were things that sort of just happened to the player characters, which, if we're trying to make their choices have consequences, if something bad is just randomly happening, it doesn't really give them a choice. But it is kind of true that random stuff will happen to the players that will set them back. Things like a landslide or a stampede of, of aurochs or some other animal running through their camp. But since we're in control of the randomness, I'd recommend keeping this to a minimum. Instead, provide a few scenarios that, like Dale Kingsmill and the angry GM say, give them a choice. Like when the characters are near a river and they notice a group of commoners trying to cross it, and they're in danger of being swept away by fast-moving currents, do they stop to help? 
Or a traveling merchant approaches them while they're on the road and wants to sell them some goods, like potions or some uncommon magic items, but those items are counterfeit and aren't really magic? Do the players figure this out during the transaction or not until they and the merchant have parted ways? Do they chase after the merchant to recover their coin? Depending on the scenario, you may choose to count one of these encounters as like half a point, a smaller delay towards your threshold if it doesn't take the party too far out of their way. This kind of leads us nicely into talking about non-combat encounters, which is something else you can consider tracking is how many NPC encounters your party is having. This would be important if the party is being hunted by their enemies. The more people they help, or anger, depending on the situation, the greater the chances are that the enemies who are out looking for them will come across someone that they have helped. Someone who could say, sure, I saw that party at this place and they were headed this way. So this introduces another element of choice for the players. How many people should we help? What measures can we take to make sure that no one gives away our location? Maybe they want to wear some disguises or dish out a few bribes. But this is only really a choice if the players are aware that these NPC encounters have an impact on their journey, so you'll have to communicate this to the players somehow. Right now I'm working on a random encounter table, yes, even though kind of disparaged them already, but it's not really a combat encounter table, uh, but it's specific to my campaign world and it's split into three sections. Encounters that would happen on the main heavily trafficked roads, those that would happen on smaller paths and minor roads, and those that would happen sort of off-road or in the wilderness. Making your own table like this would help, because while you don't want to have too much randomness in your travel, it does help to make your world feel authentic. Like a good example of this, if anyone has played video games, any of the open-world games that you've played like Skyrim or like Red Dead Redemption, Grand Theft Auto, is that the world is populated full of weird people. So having a bit of randomness helps make your world feel more alive, whatever your tolerance for that type of randomness is. So now that we've talked about getting lost and setbacks and delays, let's talk about roles. I have some thoughts on roles that I'm sure have been articulated in clear and more entertaining ways by other people. But here are my thoughts. I'm not a huge fan of the idea of roles because it gets a little bit too micromanagey. Roles, in my mind, are problematic. You may have more people in your party than there are roles for people to take, and it's entirely possible that at least one member of the adventuring party does not excel at any of the predetermined roles. On the other hand, one party member could excel at several different roles. Take Vanna, the ranger in the campaign, for for example. She would be the prime candidate for navigator because she can't get lost except by magical means, and as the forager. And given her bonuses with favored enemies and tracking and whatnot, she may even be the best option for the scout. So there you have one character who would dominate to potentially even three roles. But I tried to think, is there any upside to splitting your group into the various roles or assigning various responsibilities? Well, perhaps. Let's start with the navigator. We've already gone over my thoughts on getting lost, but at the very least, having one player character navigate would mean that if you call for a role against a navigation DC, it's only one person making it, not everyone at the table. 
unless one player character is sort of the backup navigator and is helping or giving aid in order to give the main navigator a bonus or advantage on that type of check. So it may be mostly pointless, but it opens for a small window for the players to make a strategic choice by having two characters with the best chance for successfully navigating the terrain, either because they get a gross bonus because they're a ranger or because their character is familiar with the area, in order to get a bonus or advantage on their DC check. Having a scout could be useful if you're planning on incorporating some random or non-random pre-planned encounters, which may have a chance of surprising the party. Otherwise, there's not too much for the scout to do that I can think of, except potentially spot hidden paths or shortcuts. This could be a chance for your group to reduce the number of their setbacks by half a point or a full point. How you want to integrate these shortcuts could be pretty easy, Uh, Maybe as easy as making a daily percentile roll to see if they will come across any shortcut or hidden path by chance. And if they do, then set a DC so you can tell whether or not the scout spots the shortcut when they come across it. Next up, the cartographer. I want to say that you shouldn't have someone be a cartographer unless they have cartographer's tools. Because it's such a rare opportunity for that tool set to take center stage really at any point in the campaign. And the cartographer would be useful in some situations, but look, if you're going from one city to another city along a major road, then there's no point in having a cartographer. So let's just assume that your journey is a bit more complex than that. If if we can piggyback off of the scout for just a minute, if your party discovers any shortcuts on their journey, then they automatically know where to go for those shortcuts on their return journey because they have somebody mapping it out. And if you're incorporating weather events like fog, landslide, floods, which might delay the party, the cartographer would be useful in helping the party avoid these delays, or at least having a chance to avoid them. You can decide how forgiving you want to be. Lastly, the forager. I'll be honest, the idea of needing to have someone roll to see if they can forage food after a certain level gets more and more ridiculous the higher the level of your group is. At what point can an adventuring party battle deadly monsters, but still have any trouble finding berries or trapping field mice? And I personally detest forcing my players to count their food rations. But at the very least, this role provides us with an opportunity to have the players make a choice. The choice would be between either eating from their food rations or having the forager go out and forage. Now here's the trade-off. If your party is eating from food rations, you can determine what the chance is that the food rations have gone bad and whether or not your players will get food poisoning, and then spend the first half of the next day poisoned, which would be bad if they have any random encounters. Or if the forager decides to go out and gather food and put the rage back in forage, This represents a delay, whether a half or a full point of delay, whatever you choose. You can have the forager make a skill check. Perhaps there's a chance that they can gather enough food for more than one day so they don't have to eat from their rations the following day and don't have to set aside time for foraging the next day either. So this gives an interesting choice to the player characters. Can they afford a delay? Do they want to take a chance on getting sick? There are some other parts of traveling 
that I just wanted to touch on briefly. I've mentioned weather a couple of times. I think it's handy having a randomized table. There are probably a half a dozen that you could find fairly easily just by searching the internet. But I think there should be a chance of some really bad weather causing some kind of challenge or delay for your group. You could integrate downtime activities from Xanathar's Guide to Everything, like training, sparring, playing games or gambling, or meditation and prayer. Something that I read recently on, I think it might have been the DM Academy subreddit, was somebody who had said they ask their players to make three minutes of conversation in character while they're traveling. And as the dungeon master, um, they may have guided the topic and then prompted the players to talk about it. I thought that was pretty neat, and I'm going to give it a shot. It sounded like it went over well. And someone in my dungeon master group on Facebook, which is something that you can join if you're interested in talking about the campaign and helping me plan it, go to Knights and Nerds on Facebook, go to the groups section, and request to join. Anyways, someone had suggested doing a flashback for one or more of the characters while they're traveling. Like if they're going through or near a place that they had been previously, like before the adventure started, then you could actually role play an entire scene where they are doing something from their past and it helps build out their backstory, which is super interesting. And I'm going to give that a shot as well. We'll see how we'll see how it goes. But thank you, Garrison, for suggesting that. So here's my final thought on how to make overland travel interesting. We've already talked about a few ways to include random elements, some elements that involve player choice and consequences, but why not include a side quest of sorts, a side quest, something that can only happen on the road, in between these places in your world. Now this is what I'm trying to plan for upcoming episodes in the campaign. We'll see whether or not I can create something adequate, but you have this wide open path in front of you. There's no reason you can't create a small mini adventure that helps support your main storyline while at the same time not sidetracking your players too much. That might sound like a cop-out, but I'm, I'm putting that challenge to myself. And I think in a few weeks we'll see what happens. Okay, those are my thoughts on traveling. I hope it was useful in some way. Once I'm done creating that randomized table I mentioned, I'll, I'll probably post it online so anyone can borrow it and tinker with it. Let me know what you think. You can get in touch with us on Instagram and Twitter. We're at Knights and Nerds on Facebook, Knights and Nerds Podcast, or you can email us, Knights and Nerds Podcast at gmail.com. And if you want to support the show, tell a friend of yours, hey, check this show out, or throw us a rating or review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And now we're just going to let the outro music take it away because it's so epic, like dun-dun-dun.